Moving to Live is a podcast about movement and exercise. Along with our sister podcast, FitLab PGH, we have the ethos that movement is a lifestyle, not just an activity, because movement is part of what makes your life complete. We interview people in the movement field who have a variety of experiences, education, and professional titles. At the end of the day, we all want to move more, and we want our clients, patients, and athletes to move more, move better, and move more efficiently. Some of the people we interview you will have heard of. They're well-known in and outside of the movement and exercise professions. Others you may not have heard of, but they have a great deal of knowledge and information to share. Many people doing the best work spend their time working with people, not working on their social media presence. Each Moving to Live interview will be long enough to impart usable information, but short enough to be able to be consumed in a single listen, during your workout, commute, or even during dinner prep. Before we get to the interview, a quick request. If you like what you hear, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share the podcast with your friends or anyone who understands that movement is a lifestyle. We appreciate it, and our guests appreciate it too. Welcome back to another edition of Moving to Live. We believe that movement is a lifestyle, not just an activity, as you heard in the intro. And as you also heard in the intro, our main goal is to give you a source of listening to podcasts with movement professionals who actually have credible information, some of the topics you may agree with, some of the topics you may disagree with, but I think we've done a great job and we'll continue to do a great job tonight of interviewing people. If they're saying something, you may not agree with it, you may go back and look at it, but they're not going to be completely off base where where they're doing something for an internet click. So today we are fortunate enough to have somebody from Florida. I've known today's guest for I think three and a half or four years. And it's actually the first time we met was when I interviewed him for an article he wrote for the Strength and Conditioning Journal on uh, fatty liver disease. And we've connected at conferences and various other ways since then. And he's a relatively young professional or mid-career professional, I guess you could say. But I think he's got an interesting career path. And I think it's something that people can learn from him and we'll have a good conversation. So we are with Tom Cormier. Tom is calling in from Florida. Tom, thanks for taking time to talk to Moving to Live. Ben, happy to be here. Happy to be on the podcast and uh, happy to, to share my knowledge with the world. So my question I always ask anybody I interview, the first question is you're stuck on an elevator. You've got your 30 second elevator spiel where you're wearing your work t-shirt or carrying a briefcase and somebody says, so, you know, what do you do? And your response is, and I know it's changed significantly from when we first met. Yeah, absolutely. So right now I work for Satanta College. So usually I'll be wearing that uh, that logo or that mask, <laughs> the branded uh, the branded T-shirts, and uh, and so essentially people go, oh, you know, what's Satanta College and what do you do? Well, essentially I'm the uh, commercial operations manager for Satanta College on the North American side. So I uh, de- uh, help develop um, business partnerships with different companies, um, and so just trying to trying to make sure that we have uh, successful student intakes. And when we do get those students, uh, part of my job is student support. So uh, uh, supporting them through the life cycle of being a student with Satanta College. That's me professionally on the personal side. Uh, what I'm trying to do is just push the industry forward through writing and reading and research and publications and connecting with uh, trainers and strength and conditioning coaches to help them uh, navigate the industry. And I know one of the things that I've done is I've worn a number of hats in my 
various careers. I actually have an athletic training certification, but I always define myself as an exercise physiologist who has an athletic training certification. And I think they work very well together. How do you define yourself? Because I know you have worked as a practitioner, you're transitioning more to the education side. And compared to some practitioners, not all of them, you were a little bit unusual and that you continued to write after you got out of school, whereas many people are like, I'm done with school. I'm never going to write a paper or an article again. So how do yeah. you describe yourself now as far as people say, what are you professionally? Well, it depends on who I'm talking to, right? <laughs> I, 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 there, there are different people from uh, the different parts in the industry. So they're, they're always curious of who I am and what I do. And so uh, again, it's, it's that elevator speech. And so depends on if I'm talking to a publisher or if it depends on talking to a researcher or a, a under the bar strength and conditioning coach, but I'm more of a, a pracademic. Uh, and I, I want to give my, my, my buddy Corey a shout out from uh, human kinetics about that one. <laughs> so that pracademic. So I like to be under the bar. I like to lift. I like to, I like to do the personal training side. I like to do the strength and conditioning side, but I also like that the the knowledge the academic side as well uh, the the reading and the writing and the publishing and you know the the more books that i can get my hands on and read and it's just like i i i i don't really know what to call myself because i've i have so many certifications and i you know i i went through that for 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 a particular reason but you know, between all the certifications I have, between all the education I have, between the uh, uh, contracts that I pick up here and there, you know, I'm a little bit of everything. So I just, I like to be versatile. Um, I, I, I want to eventually be the uh, <laughs> Chef Ramsey of strength and conditioning, right? I want to be able to, to um, just show up and, and be the master you know, it's, it's tough to be the master in, in every, everything that you do. Right. And, and, and every, uh, especially because our industry is so vast, but I want to be able to be able to talk to any person and to be able to be knowledgeable in, in what we're discussing. Right. So whether it's squats or deadlifts or uh, a particular special population disorders or 40 meter sprint, whatever the case, I want to have that requisite knowledge to be able to hold a conversation. And I know one of the things that, or one of the reasons we started moving to live is what we call, what we call it moving to live. We call the field, the movement field, because we want people to move more, move better. And what we notice is there, and we've heard from other professionals is there are a lot of silos and you just described literally a number of jobs or sub-professions within the movement field, strength coach, personal trainer, um, and I know, I know from some of the reading that I've done that you've done that, uh, you probably agree with me in general for people who want a career, not a job in the movement field, unless you're in a licensed profession or a, a, a profession, like a, a medical doctor, where there are certain state licensures, you really have to be a individual or an entrepreneur to be successful in most instances, would you agree with that statement or disagree with it? That's that, that's a really good question. So, um, and, and let me actually clarify yeah. my definition of entrepreneur. Sure. By an entrepreneur, it means you take advantage of the opportunity. Somebody says, do you want to be involved in this project? Do you want to do this? And do you want to do that? And some people 
graduate from school and it's like, okay, I'm going to do this job and this is going to be my job. And I know in your instance, you moved around, you had a couple of different things and the economy had something to do with it. So what you're doing now is entirely different. So I guess to maybe take it back even earlier or to think about, to give you a little more time to think about the entrepreneurial comment, you went to college. When you went to college, when I went to college, I was either going to be a marine biology major or an athletic training student. And I took a, a, a plant biology class and hated it. <laughs> when you went to college, what was the goal behind that? Was there a, did you have a plan to go into some sort of movement field, health field, medical school, or did you just say that was the next step after graduating from high school? Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think one question can, one answer can lead into the other. And so let's, let's start with that. Right. Um, so when I went to college, see, so I was always, I was always uh, athletic, right? So I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the strongest, I wasn't the fastest, uh, but I was playing basketball when I was uh, in elementary school with the middle school kids, right? And then of course, like I moved to middle school and they're in high school. So uh, uh, I was always above average when it came to uh, athletics. So I was fast and I was strong, um, but I wasn't the biggest, fastest, strongest. Um, you know, I was, I was pretty athletic. I can move well. Um, pretty much anything that you put in my hands, whether it was a football or, or a hockey stick or a basketball, um, you know, I, I had a pretty good hand-eye coordination, pretty good agility. So um, when I got to college, the I, I wasn't set on what exactly I wanted to do. Um, and so I entered, uh, so I went to Stetson University and they had a pre-med track. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do pre-med, see how it goes. And after the first year, see, listen, I, I did really well in biology in high school. I did really well in chemistry. I did really well in physics. I was taking all honors classes in high school. And I get to, I get to, um, I get to college. And now the, the bio professor isn't as friendly as I would have liked him to be, or the chemistry professor wasn't as helpful as I, as I would like them to be. And it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I, I, I didn't want to go on to do cellular biology or microbiology, and I didn't want to go on to do organic chemistry because I just didn't like the professors. You know, I think, I think maybe it was that, that tenured aspect, maybe they're on the, the verge of retirement and they, you know, they were set in their ways and they really didn't want to help. I don't know what it was, but it, it, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. So when I was on that pre-med track, um, I was, I was taking, you know, I'm, I'm taking uh, anatomy physiology, I'm taking nutrition, I'm taking, you know, all the requisite courses that you would, that you would imagine that you're, your, uh, uh, that you would take for pre-med, but it wasn't pre-med, it was integrative health science. So it was epidemiology and uh, alternative uh, alternative therapies, but plus the track of, of strength and conditioning. So it was health science overall generalized, but with a, with a focus on exercise science. And pairing that with my ability to 
just be athletic and play any sport and, and always have an interest in, in, in uh, being bigger, stronger, faster. Just that really got me interested in the personal training side of things into the exercise physiology side of things into the strength and conditioning side, side of things. And I, and my, my dream job <laughs> was to be the strength and conditioning coach for the Red Sox. And that's, that's a different story, but we, you know, we can get into that, but that was always my dream. And so I saw my, uh, my professor, Dr. Hewling, she had this, CSCS. And I had no idea what that was. And I'm like, well, if it's good enough for her, it's good enough for me. Right. So from the moment that I see, you know, her name written out on the board and it's Dr. Hewling, CSCS, that's all I ever wanted to do. And uh, so then my, my, my focus changed. I, I no longer wanted to do medicine. I, I had no interest in it. To, to me, medicine's, it's just boring, um, you know, to, to see, Hey, you have a cough. Okay. Take this medicine. And Hey, uh, you know, you're not, not feeling well, just lay down for a little bit. And of course, like I'm, I'm really, I'm really condensing that into a very, very specific, uh, uh idea, but you know, it, it just, to me, that just medicine was boring. And even, even one of my professors who was actually, he was an MD and a PhD. He's like, listen, medicine is not for you because it's going to be the exact same thing. Every single day, you're going to see the exact same patients. You're going to hand out the same meds and it's just not for you. You have to go do something different. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So uh, after I graduated, that's when the economy tanked. <laughs> so I graduated late 2007 and that's when the economy tanked. So I'm thinking, okay, I went to Stetson University. It's a private school. I'm going to get a job no matter where I go. And that's what they tell you, right? Or that's what I was told when I was younger from, from high school, from my parents, from everybody that I ever talked to. They're like, go get a private education. It's going to look fantastic on your resume. And you're going to get any job you've ever wanted in whatever salary you ever wanted. And I'm here to tell you that is not the case. So if you're the, the outlier who got the job, that high paying job, the job that you wanted right out of college, uh, you're, you're an outlier and you're a lucky one. And I applaud you, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that 99% of those, the other people listening, that isn't, that is not the case. So if you're trying to make your way into the industry or whatever industry it is, so we're talking specifically here, movement, we're talking health and fitness, we're talking strength and conditioning, but whether it's business, uh, uh finance or any other field that you're getting into, you have to, you just can't rely on that, that single, uh, that one dimensional aspect. So eventually I realized, oh, well, nobody's, nobody's really going to hire me. Uh, despite my private education, I'm a hundred thousand dollars in debt and, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of student loans to pay. And so finally I got, I got serious. Uh, after a couple of years, I, I finally got serious and I said, okay, I'm going to take the CSCS. So I, so before the CSES, I take the NSCA uh, CPT course, knocked that out of the park. Fantastic. Then uh, immediately after that, I buy the books for the CSES. Six months later, I have my CSES. The CSPS comes out without a book, just a CD-ROM full of the SCJ and uh, Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research articles. And uh, I study for about nine months for that, take the test, pass the test. So now I have all these certifications behind my name. And so... So, you know, I, I, I got the job. I was working with a, at, a, at a, health, a, a, a health and wellness center. So it was a wellness, uh, a hospital-based wellness center. 
And there, what we were doing was we were working with uh, uh, general pop people. Uh, so special pops within the general pop. So we weren't working with post, re, you know, we weren't working with rehab. We weren't working out, outpatient physical therapy, anything like that. It was, it was people typically uh, months after surgery, months after a heart attack, months after a stroke, uh, people dealing with diabetes. So I did that for 10 years. Um, but in the middle, in between all of that, I went and got USA weightlifting one, USA weightlifting two, kettlebell, TRX, uh, FMS. Uh, uh, and then I went on to get my master's and, and, and now I publish. So I tell you that story to, to, to relay back to what you're saying about being an entrepreneur and the, the, now when you say entrepreneur, what, what is important is like Brett Contreras or Nick Timonello uh, are entrepreneurs, right? You see them on Instagram, you see them on Facebook, on social media. They have products that they're selling. They have uh, uh, um, courses that they're selling, right? So you don't have to be, you know, Nick, Nick is fantastic. Brett is fantastic. I've, I've met them both. I talked to them, so on and so forth. Um, and and they their 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 products are fantastic. Uh, but you don't have to be that level. So if you, you don't have to create a, uh, a, a fitness product, I mean, it, it helps, <laughs> it puts a little money in the pocket, but you don't have to be that level. You don't have to be posting on Instagram every day. You don't have to be posting on LinkedIn every day. You don't have to always be uh, uh, focused on that aspect. Now, when you, the, the definition that you gave as entrepreneur is the opportunity is the ability to say to say yes and in our field and that and that's and that's when, when i went back to define my my elevator speech and what i'm trying to do personally is to help those individuals who are who are kind of lost in the industry and they don't know where you know to take the next step Right, they don't. They don't know. Should I, what should I? What should I do? Where should I study? What What should I study? Um, here are my interests. How do I move forward with my interests? So, being that entrepreneur and saying whatever opportunity falls in front of me, to have the ability to say yes. So, uh, Ben, I appreciate when you said being on the podcast. Absolutely, I'm going to be. Uh, hey, do you want to write for this? Absolutely, I'm going to be. When the NSCA or whatever organization you're part of says. Hey, listen, we're looking for presenters. Be that person to present. Be that person to submit. If somebody's looking for, for a presenter at the state level or a volunteer at the state level at a, at a, at a weightlifting event, uh, a weightlifting meet, kettlebells, weightlifting, powerlifting, strongman, whatever, go volunteer. Um, you know, listen, it doesn't pay, but listen, you get that experience. So kind go, of go, to, yeah. to build on this question, then what you're describing is the opportunities that you that you have or that, that you've had the opportunity and there's no reason to think you won't continue to have them is based on two things number one your knowledge because if you were a complete idiot you would do one project and the word would get around hey tom's a complete idiot don't ask him to do this whereas if you do a good job and i know you just won the uh, editorial award for the strength and conditioning journal uh just earlier this month, that's telling you that your peers are saying you're doing a good job. So my question would be with the entrepreneur, you're basing what you're doing and progressing 
whether it's your personal vision statement or your long-term career goals, not a job. Job is what's paying the money. Career right. is what is, is uh, hopefully more than that. And, and it mm-hmm. may take time to build. The certifications open the door. You've showed a basic level of competence. Now your ability to take the knowledge that you have and transmit it to other people, isn't that a product, even though maybe it isn't recognized? And I think we could jump jump down the rabbit hole with personal training and the difference between somebody who has one of the three or four legitimate organizations versus somebody who says, well, I've got a couple of hours, I'm going to get an online certification. Yeah. Now, in some yeah. cases, very, very small cases, that person may be absolutely outstanding. But one of the th- one of the arguments that can be made is for some of these certifications is it's a gatekeeper or it's saying, okay, you've got a basic level of competence where if you follow these guidelines, better than not, you're not going to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to go in if you're working with that person who's six months uh, post myocardial infarction and say, okay, we're going to do uh, the Tabata protocol and that's going to be your high intensity workout for the day. Now, it- the argument could be made, you've taken your education that you got from your bachelor's and master's, and you have that knowledge and you're using the certifications to put yourself in a position to use that knowledge. Right. Uh, and, and so, yeah, you, you, you focused on the, the word product. So as an entrepreneur, it, it, your product is you. As a trainer, as a I probably I probably worded it better, but that's exactly what I was alluding yeah. to. You're the product, so you're the one selling yourself. So if you're trying to get the job, if you're trying to sign sign that contract or get somebody else to sign the contract, uh, you're essentially selling you. So it, it doesn't matter whether you're selling a uh, a piece of a piece of tech, uh, a machine. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're selling programming. Um, you know, those are all just an extension of you. Uh, some people are really good at periodization and programming. Fantastic. If that's what you're good at, go sell it, go do it, you know, make money, do your hustle, do your side hustle, whatever the case. Fantastic. If you want, if you're more of, uh, uh, building machines and, and build, you know, uh, the, the next, the next, uh, rogue or the next Sorenex or whatever the case, fantastic. If you have that ability, uh, to weld and, and put stuff together and, and create, create, you know, a, a new, a new brand of equipment overnight and you're really good at marketing, fantastic. Go do it, you know. But the the important thing is that it's you that you're selling. So whether it's it's you developing, uh, um, it, whether it's you developing your resources for presenting and speaking, whether it you know whether you're the person at every single conference, state, regional, national for this organization or that organization, that is your brand. That's your entrepreneurship. That's who, that's who you are. And that's essentially what you're selling. So if you're making to look, make, make, make a million dollars, if you're looking to make a war, you know, uh, earn awards, (laughs) if you're, uh, uh, just trying to get that recognition or get the name out there or build clientele or whatever the case, uh, you know, like I, 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 on, on your podcast with Robert Linkle, he was talking about how he, published an article and within the next three months, he picked up 30 different uh, um, clients. Now, was he trying to pick up his clients? You know, I don't know, but uh, uh, it doesn't hurt. Right. So his, his, it's, it's his brand. The TOA is his brand and uh, that's, that's his product. So he's an entrepreneur doing that. Now, when we talk about certifications, it comes down. So for me, it comes down to, to a few different things. 
to, to build your brand, to build your product, to build who you are in the fitness industry, how do you essentially sell your brand? So to me, it comes down to four things. One, it comes down to education. So if you don't have your bachelor's degree, go get your bachelor's degree. If you have your bachelor's degree, fantastic. Go get your master's. If you have your master's, go get your PhD. Now, does that necessarily mean that you're going to be a good trainer, that you're going to be successful overnight, that you're going to have a a million followers just because you have one of those academic achievements? No. Uh, But what you want to do is you want to level up as much as you can Get that knowledge. Now, I know people who, listen, they have their bachelor's degree, they have their master's degree. And if you ask them to program for a certain population, they can't do it. You know, it's still, you know, three sets of 10 push ups, three sets of 10 squats, three sets of 10 uh, uh, jumping jacks. And you go, okay, well, you have your master's, right? <laughs> so, so that doesn't necessarily, that academic knowledge is, is good. It's beneficial. Go get it if you don't have it. Uh, because more and more industries are looking for their ma- the master's degree. Uh, you're looking at baseball, you're looking at football. Uh, if you're looking higher level private organizations, whether it's hospitals or whether it's the D- D1, quote unquote, D1 training uh, facilities, uh, they're, they're looking for master's degrees. So if you don't have your master's degree, go out and get it. Um, if you have your master's, go get the postgrad or go get the PhD, whatever is available for the certifications. Now, now the when it comes down to certifications, you're going to have some people say, well, I already have my degree and I've already learned the textbook and I already have the academic knowledge of how the Krebs cycle works and how the electron transport chain works and how protein synthesis works and everything like that. Why do I need a $500 certification to tell me that I already know that knowledge? Uh, the the important thing is that with certification, so so you'll have those people say, "Well, I don't, I don't need it," and then you'll have the the other people just say, "Well, you know, uh, I, I have this cert, and it, hey, again, good enough, right? Good enough." Um, where they have the cert, but they don't do anything beyond that. They don't do the continuing education. They don't get the experience. They don't they don't take it the, the to the next level. They don't take it a step further. The important thing about the degrees or excuse me not the degrees the the certifications is that listen your your degrees bachelor's master's phd are the academic recognition of what you do in the industry okay for your certifications that is the industry recognition of what you know of 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 uh, what you've accomplished. And so there are certain gold standards and there are certain uh, um levels that you need to achieve to say, I understand what it is that I'm doing. Um, And so you want to make sure that whichever route that you go, whether you're looking to go high school, college, professional, semi-pro, private, medical, whatever the case, you have to have the requisite knowledge through the industry, through those credentials to say then that I'm qualified. So just imagine if you went to uh, you know, you're going under anesthesia and the anesthesiologist doesn't have all their credentials. They went to school. Oh, oh nope. They went to school, but they don't have, they didn't go and get their continuing edu- education courses for the new type of anesthesia that's out. Uh, but it's okay because they went to medical school 10 years ago. 
right? I don't think anybody would really, um, <laughs> really, really appreciate that. You make that comment, and I'm re- reminded of uh, I had a situation a few years back where I had a number of surgeries, and I hate needles. So ah, every time yes. the anesthesiologist or the anesthesiology nurse would come in, I would ask, quite, you know, I would say, well, what's your training? And they sent somebody in for one of the surgeries with student appendix mm-hmm. at student. And I immediately said, you know, how long have you been a nurse anesthetist student? You know, what experience? And she had the perfect comment that supports what you said. She looked at me and she said, honey, I was an RN for 25 years before I went back to school. I think I can handle this. <laughs> and despite the fact that the hospital had stuck the student tag on, on her uniform, yeah. Board, her saying that, I was like, oh, okay, go ahead. Do whatever you need to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you got it. I, I, I trust I trust you. I trust you with my life. So, so in simple terms, what the certifications do is they open doors for you. And I know one of the right, things. Right, absolutely. I, I went to a small liberal arts college, too. I was an athletic training student under the internship. And I remember both my head athletic trainer and my advisor, who was also a certified athletic trainer, told us all along, the goal is to get the NATA certification that gives you basic competence. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's not, okay, I'm certified. I'm done. That's okay. You're certified. Now you can start your career and either stay in your career or transition out of it to the point where I say, you know, I'm an exercise physiologist with an athletic training certification. And I d- I don't think that's a bad thing. So I guess you mentioned a few minutes ago that you graduate from a private college and, you know, well, I went to private college, so I'm going to get a job where I want and, you know, um, and the economy tanks. Now you're talking to potential students. What do you tell them? I mean, I think you, you've described your path. What do you tell like the one or two pieces of information for somebody who says, hey, you know, I want to come. I want to get a master's, master's where you are. You know, I want to progress my career. What are you going to do for me? Or is it that getting that master's degree is kind of like, okay, now you're setting yourself up to be able to ask questions and recognize as you did as an undergraduate, oh, this CSCS is something that's going to help me. So much today is a consumer driven. It's like, what are you going to give me? And I think almost if you're going to be make a career of it and be your definition and my definition of an entrepreneur, you almost have to look at not only what can they give me and I think you and I think similarly on this in regards to the NSCA, what can I give them because they've given me so many benefits? Mm-hmm. Well, so are, are we talking specifically with um, for, for students who are looking to, I w- to I would say continue in general, their education right stu- now? Students, students or, or young professionals, you know, whether you're Somebody says, hey, Tom, talk to this person at a conference or somebody who contacts you in your job. You know, you've yeah. you've had the experience. You're like, oh, shit, I'm not going to get a job. OK, I've got a job. Then they're like, <laughs> hey, guess what? You don't have a job anymore. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. It's, it, it's not your 25 years at one place and you're ready to take early retirement. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, to to re- regardless of whether I was working for the college or not. Right. My my it's it, it comes down to it comes down to. So if somebody comes to me and says, how do I uh, uh, get a job in the field? How do I become a strength and conditioning coach for XYZ school? Um, how, do, how do I start training these particular clients? Um, you know, what certifications should I go to? So for example, there was a, um, 
there, there was a, there was a, a gentleman that came up to me at the most recent conference and he goes, well, I want to train. Um, I, I want to, uh, you know, I want to be a assistant strength coach. And I said, great. You know, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, well, nothing really. <laughs> and I said, great. You, well, you have to start working towards that. I said, so where do you live? Take, take, uh, you know, 50 miles. So Ron McKeefer, actually has this, uh, I, I got this from, from coach Mac and he was basically saying, do a 50 mile radius of where you live and then go to every single school or every single organization in the area and, you know, apply or give them your resume or talk to somebody there because, you know, 50 miles is basically, if you break it down 50 miles an hour, you're an hour away. So go talk to everybody in that area and see if you can intern, if you can internship, mentorship, or whatever the case, if you're working part-time, if you're doing, get your foot in the door, right? Uh, so if you have your education, if you have your certifications, the experience is then the, the big talker, right? So to say that I worked at this college or this school or with this, uh, under this organization, under this person... So now we can associate names with people and faces, and now you're introduced to the big, uh, to the big picture, right? So now it's not just, well, I have my education and I have my certifications, but I really haven't been using them because I'm doing something else. I'm working at a bank now, or I'm working, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm working, uh, uh, you know, for a moving company or whatever the case. So I really haven't had the opportunity. So the thing is, what I always say is become a volunteer. That's the easiest thing that you can do. Uh, find ways that you can engage. Uh, and, it, and it's not, and it's not, it's not uh, the likes on Instagram or anything like that. It's, it's actually getting out and meeting. So if you don't, if you don't have a place to start, whatever organization that you want to be certified through or are certified through, start at the local level. Get involved in the state organ, the the state run um, clinics, conferences, conventions, whatever the case. Then move to the regional. Then move to the national. Get involved. Meet people. Go face to face. Shake hands. Every person that you see lecture, every every person that you see deliver a, a presentation, go up and shake their hand and talk to them and see who they are. And you might not get anything from their lecture because maybe uh, training individuals with acute intermittent perforia isn't your thing, but you know, you, uh, you learn something from it. Right. Uh, uh, but it's, you know, you want to, you want to train um, downhill skiers. Okay. Perfect. But, you know, this person over here with ankylosing spondylitis, uh, you know, the, the person who just presented on that, you might have no idea what AS is. But, hey, listen, you, you, you now have a face and a name and a contact. So when you see their book or see them on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case, now you're connecting. So that might not be a direct link, but now it's an indirect link, right? It's, it's something that might not pay off tomorrow or next week, but in a year or five years or 10 years from now, you might be working with that person and you never thought you were going to. Right. Um, and so it's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. The, the amount of people that I run into now, like, for example, the, the fact that I work for, for Satanta and that I work with Ian Jeffries is absolutely 
it blows my mind still to this day. The fact that like I, uh, I, I work with Roger Earl with human kinetics and do, do contracting work with him and that I've worked on, uh, uh, uh some, some work with Nick Tuminello or, um, that I, it's, it's the, the connections that you, that you make. And, you know, the fact that, Hey, listen, I sent a, uh, one of my PTQ articles, articles to Robert Lincoln. And he's just like, yeah, this is a fantastic article. Like it needs to be published right away. Right. So it's, it's, uh, you never know who you're going to run into. You never know who you're going to connect with. You're never, you never know what's good. So take that opportunity, take the opportunity. So within that it's, it's experience and it's networking. So those between education, between certifications and between your experience and networking, those are the four things that you have to have in your pocket, the, the four things that you constantly have to be working on to be that entrepreneur, to take that next, to take the next step, to get that job, to get that uh, uh, assistantship, to uh, get the scholarship, to whatever whatever the case is, whatever you're working for, those you have to be working on one of those things at all times. I'm curious, and you, you can plead off this if you don't want to answer. I know in general, and I'm saying this as somebody who works in academia, we've done a very poor job of naming our professional degree, you know, kinesiology, <laughs> sports medicine, health science, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I also know that just from my experience that there are a variety of careers, depending on the core classes you take in undergrad, that you could potentially be a health science, exercise science emphasis person and have all the qualifications to go to medical school. How much of this, which you've described in the last few minutes, especially the networking and the volunteering, were you exposed to or were you told about when you were an undergrad or was the undergrad experience more broad-based for a variety of uh, careers or a variety of jobs? And this is kind of things either you picked up or I know I'm not the only one I'll say this. The first NSCA conference I went to, I went to uh, NSCA regional with Jeff Chandler and literally, like you were talking, met people whose books I'd used in schools. It's like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I have a very specific answer to uh, to how much I was told to, of everything that I just mentioned in the past half hour or so, how much I was told that in undergrad. And the specific answer is absolutely zero. <laughs> um, and, and listen, so I went to a small school. I went to a small private school. Again, the the degree was health integrative health science. So I the the students that I graduated with, uh, one now is a DPT in Orlando. One is a pharmacist. One's a mental health counselor. Um, you know, I'm I'm more you know more in the strength and conditioning world. Um, so whatever my title is <laughs> at any at any given time, I'm more I've really run with that strength and conditioning aspect. Um, so everybody went everywhere and kind of did everything. So, uh, you know, like I said, there was, there was an emphasis on exercise science, uh, but there, but that wasn't the end goal for a lot of students, which is perfectly fine. Uh, but I mean, listen, I, I, 2007 is when I graduated and that's kind of the, I mean, to me, now that I see, I mean, a master's degree in exercise science, strength and conditioning, kinesiology, whatever you call it, didn't exist. Really, really, it didn't exist. 
at, at that moment when I, when I graduated. So when I, when I was looking at master's programs, very, very small uh, uh, amount of, of programs existed. And so, and, and that's a hard I think part, we should, right? I think we should clarify there because there'll be some people who may say, well, yes, you are. You, you could be a GA and get a degree in whatever it is. But I think what you're <laughs> pointing out is the fact that the actual coursework for strength and conditioning, there are more programs now than in 2007, but still compared to, if you say, you know, I want to get a master's in physical education, teaching emphasis, mm -hmm. I would suspect uh, there's three or four colleges that offer that within the metro uh, region of Orlando. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the thing, right? Is that, is that, uh, you know, phys physical education, strength and conditioning, uh, exercise, uh, exercise science, exercise physiology, uh, cardiac rehab, uh, you know, whatever you want, kinesiology, biomechanics, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, each school is going to have something different and their curriculum is going to be a little bit different. We, we speak the same language. So for, for the most part, for the most part, a squat is a squat, a deadlift is a deadlift. You understand what VO2 max is. You understand, like I said before, prep cycle, electron transport chain, protein synthesis. You understand, um, you know, uh, 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 aerobic endurance. You understand anaerobic, whatever the case, right? Uh, uh, adenosine triphosphate, uh, triphosphate, like you understand all those bases. But in reality, that uh, physical education, if we go into a master's program is now going to look a lot different from the strength and conditioning program. And, and that's, and that's kind of the, the, the issue that we're running into is that there's the, 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 we really don't have a set curriculum. We really don't have a set path of, of where we want to go. A lot of students are just doing it just to do it. And they say, okay, well now I have my master's. You know, and and going back to going back to what, what I was mentioning earlier, and what you had asked about is is the the tough part. You know, like I'm I'm doing my undergrad, and yeah, I know I know the academic side, but I don't know the industry at all. So the fact that you know I I'm thinking that I'm just going to be able to get any job at any salary that I want with a private education, fantastic. You know, but that. But the reality is that, you know, I wasn't set up for success and I'm not blaming the school and I'm not blaming anybody. Like, listen, if I had to do it again, I would do it all over again. I, you know, I absolutely love my four years at, at, at school there. And, you know, I would I would absolutely do it again. I love my professors. I love the education. I loved everything about it. Um, but knowing what I know now, there's so many opportunities. So, for example, like, you know, you get done with you get done with your semester, you go home for the for for, uh, you know, 10 weeks and during the summer. but it, there, there's so many opportunities. How, who can I, who can I talk to? Uh, who can I talk to as about for an internship? You know, um, could I've, uh, uh, interned with Eric Cressy at the time. Could I have gone to Massachusetts and, and done in, done a, uh, uh, internship with Mike Boyle? Um, you know, there's, there's so many, there's so many names. There's so many opportunities now, especially now, but you know, I'm, I'm sure they existed then, but I would just wasn't looking for it because I wasn't told to. Right. Um, I think one of the I, things, the, the internet has made it easier to see things. I know I was fortunate enough. I graduated from college in 1990. And I remember in the academic year uh, before my senior year, I grabbed the NCAA manual, which was a paper manual. 
And I went right. down the list and looked at it to see who the strength coaches were at schools where I could also take a semester uh, or two semesters of chemistry. And then I had to, you know, handwrite a letter. And, you know, I can't tell you the last time I hand wrote a letter or communicated with anybody professionally other than maybe a Zoom call or, or an email. So I think on the one hand, it is easier to have those opportunities, whereas even in 2006, 2007, when you were an undergrad, it may not have been possible. On the other hand, now you have the difficulty of, but I think this is a, a good topic to cover, of figuring out who's legit and who's not. I mean, hmm. you know, you've, you've name dropped, not in a bad way, people who are well-respected. Some of them are a little more obnoxious than others on the internet. But at the end of the day, whatever they've said over the years, you can look at it and say, oh, well, I agree with that or I disagree with that. But very rarely do you look at what they put out and go, I don't know where they're coming from. You know, they, they yeah. have absolutely no clue. They're, they're based on, I mean, you, you and I could design an entirely different program that would for the same person. It would be physiologically beneficial, whichever program they used. So what you're describing with more opportunities and taking the advantage to volunteer What's your one or two pieces of advice of how, how do these undergrad students or somebody who's maybe switching professions and doing that 50-mile search for places, how do they know, okay, who's legit and who do I maybe want to stay away from because either I'll pick up bad habits or potentially worst-case scenario, your reputation becomes linked with them and yeah. they have a good reputation. Right, right. Yeah, and, and it's understanding i mean we I, I think i think as fitness professionals we have a good understanding of we're, we're good bs uh detectors right <laughs> uh so when you look at who's the and, and i hate to bring it up it's just it's so it's so stupid but like when when you have people selling fit tees and and waist trainers and you know all that stuff it's just like we understand uh that that's you know our bs detector goes off relatively relatively quickly um you know and, and i think the people that get into that world are not the the people who go to school for it or go get their cscs and everything like that i, th I think they're more of just the pretenders right uh, fake it till you make it sort of situation but um you know they're just trying to make a quick buck and and you know it's it's it, it doesn't last they're they're in the industry a year and then they're gone but there's just so many of them but anyway um the 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 important thing is for for somebody, regardless of where they are in their education uh, continuum, right? Whether they're just coming out of high school and uh, or coming out of college or going into, into into the master's degree or whatever the case, uh, the the important thing is to do it and it quote unquote is whatever you want, um, but do it now. Like that's what I'm talking about, right? So, so do it now. Go get. Don't wait to get your personal training cert. Don't get. Don't wait to go get your CSCS. Don't wait. To, and, and and again, I'm I'm using these these certifications, but insert whatever certification you want. Whether it's powerlifting, whether whether it's Olympic weightlifting, whether it's kettlebell, whether it's barefoot training, whatever the case, go get it now. Okay, you don't want to wait. So go get it now. Go sign up for the professional organization again, whatever organization that is, whatever you want to be part of. Go do it. Go do it now. For students, you know, you're looking at fifty dollars a year. For professionals, you're looking at a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars. You have that money somewhere. Take it. Spend it. It's going to be the best hundred dollars you've ever spent. Um, if there's a local event, go to it. Go meet people. Go enjoy. 
you know, take something away from it. And, and, and the, the important thing is that, so I really didn't. So going through, going through everything, right. And going, going through my little history there. So if I graduated 2007, I really didn't get CPT until 2011. Right. So uh, how old, how old was I? I was 26. Right. So, um, so I'm 26 years old, just getting my CPT, 20, 27 years old, getting my CSCS. So I'm already five years, <laughs> five years behind of the students that are coming out with their, with their bachelor's degree. And I even remember like, I think it was like back in 2016 when I hired one of the trainers, one of, one of my trainers, and he talked about blood flow restriction. I was like, wait, 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 like you guys are learning about blood flow restriction, like with Bill Campbell down at USF, like he's learning about blood flow restriction. He's like, yeah, like it's, it's a normal thing now. And I'm like, oh, because blood flow restriction, when I learned about it was like, you kind of hands off, like you really, like you're not qualified to do that, but now it's a, it's a thing. So what, what I'm saying is like, take the opportunity, start being the entrepreneur when you're 18, when you're 20, when you're 22, don't wait because the industry moves so fast. There's so many certifications, there's so much coming out. There's so many people that are, that are joining the, the personal training workforce. And so have that knowledge already ready. So that way you have your year of interning with Eric Cressy. You have your year of interning with Mike Boyle. You have your uh, maybe, let's see, um, you have four years of going to the NSCA or ACSM or whatever the case there, there uh, you got, you have four years of experience under your belt of going to all the conferences and you've met uh, uh, every possible name that you can think of, you know, and you're, you're, you're meeting the people who are, are big in, in big in the industry. And so by the time that you come out of school, you already have it. You already have the connections with Robert Lincoln and Jonathan, Mike and Nick Tuminello and Roger Earl and Ian Jeffries and, uh, uh, uh Lauren Landau and, uh, just the coach McKeefrey and, and every, every possible name that you can, that you can think of Tony Gentlecore, Eric Cressy, uh, so on and so forth. And so you already have access to these people. You already have access to their names. They're already in your phone. You're already in their phone. And so the important thing is that you just, you, you got to keep pushing forward with all that. And so the earlier that you can do it, the, the, the more, the more, uh, accessible you will be later on. And, and to, to, to bounce an idea off that, what I try to tell people is this. So again, whatever it is, I'm going to say CSCS. And I have friends who go, oh yeah, I'm going to get my CSCS. And I'm like, cool, do it. And they go, oh no, 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 no. You know, I got to, I got to save up for this, that, and the other. I'm like, listen, it's $500. Go do it. Between, between the books and the practice material and paying for the test, it's $500. You have $500 someplace, okay? Um, and they go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study for it. I'm going to study for it. And I say, okay. Or, hey, did you study for it? Oh, yeah, man. Like, oh, oh, oh yeah, bro. I just, um, hey, listen, uh, this came up or that came up or I'm, I'm going to do this now. Or, uh, yeah. And I'm just like, listen, you know, and, and nobody's going to hire a 40-year-old strength and conditioning coach who just got their CSCS. 
right? They're going to hire the 22-year-old who has the four years of education, who has the four years of volunteering, who has not just the CSCS now because they graduated from, from a, a degree program, but now they have USA weightlifting and TRX and, and kettlebell and barefoot training and FMS and uh, the SFMS and everything like that. SFMA, right? Um and so it's that person that they're going to hire. It's not going to be the person 20 years down the line going, oh, yeah, uh, now I have my CSCS and that means I'm going to get the job because they're now in the same position that I found myself in saying, oh, we'll now have a private education. <laughs> so so somebody's going to hire me. And it's just like, that's that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Um, and then one more thing that I, I want to I want to discuss as far as the certifications, if you don't mind, sure. is make sure that when you're getting your certifications, that you're getting the gold standard, what is recognized. And so to, to back to your point about how do you recognize who are the, the movers and shakers, the decision makers, the people that are, that are doing it, the, the big names standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, how do you, how do you differentiate the difference between somebody who should be uh, somebody who you can take seriously, somebody who you can work under, somebody who you can uh, uh, trust, right? And, and trust trust in your job and trust to, to, to move forward. Um, and, it's, and it's those people with everything that I mentioned. So if they have the education, they have the certifications, you can see the experience, they're putting it on their resume. Uh, so for example, somebody again, name dropping here, but like John Rusin, right? So John Rusin is, yes, he's on everything. This guy is putting out tons of social media content. He has that, uh, the, the, the pain-free performance specialist, right? And so, so how do you know that's legit? Well, look at his credentials, look at where he's not only educated and where he's certified, but his, his number of presentations, his number of, of journal articles or, or references or whatever the case. And so that's that's how you differentiate. Because if you're just going to get this weekend certification for this person that it's either you know whatever implement or whatever whatever genetic or whatever tea or whatever nutrition or whatever you know weird niche that is just like Hey, I'm going to go get, um, you know, uh, genetic tested to see if I'm a triathlete <laughs> and you're just like, and there's a certification behind that. And you're just like, that doesn't make sense. Or at least in the context of right now, that, that doesn't make sense. Um, so, so that, that's how we, that's how we differentiate. And so where are they from? What's their education? How are they connected to the industry? And, uh, and, and that's 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 what we use to trust. We've been talking with Tom Cormier. Tom, I would say we could classify him as a mid-career professional who's had a number of jobs, but is clearly progressing in the movement field. I think he's given some great advice as far as how to get started in the field, or if you're in the field and you want to get more involved. And if you're a young professional or a student or somebody who, as many of us have been, are in a job where maybe you're not happy with, there's always an opportunity to explore other opportunities and make connections. Tom, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to Moving to Live. Uh, it's everything I expected and then some, and I really enjoyed the conversation. 
Ben, awesome, buddy. Loved being on here. Appreciate everything. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Moving to Live. Make sure you check out the show notes for contact information for our latest guest, as well as links about all the things we talked about. Intro and exit music is Traveling Light by Jason Shaw. You can subscribe to Moving to Live wherever you find podcasts or on our website, www.moving2live.com. Please tell your friends about Moving to Live and check out our sister podcast, FitLab PGH. FitLab PGH emphasizes movement in the Pittsburgh area and beyond with video podcasts, movement ideas, and interviews with people in the Pittsburgh area who understand movement is part of what makes life complete. Until next time, keep on moving.